From KPBS and PRX, this is Port of Entry, where we tell cross-border stories that connect us. I'm Alan Liliental. So there's this drawing by Tijuana artist Victor Lebowski that I really like. It's Luke Skywalker dressed up as a sort of Chicano vato. He's wearing a Pachuco Panama-style hat, baggy shorts, and a button-up shirt with just the top button fastened so the white undershirt hangs out. Cholo Luke is riding a tricked-out lowrider bike with Baby Yoda kicking it in a basket in the front and C-3PO in the back. Victor's drawings make me smile. Actually, most of his artwork does. But Victor hasn't always used his pen to make people happy. I was always the smallest of the class. I've always been an easy target. So I was bullied in uh, primary school a lot. So when I got to middle school, there was an incident when I got slapped in front of everybody by this big kid. Something snapped. I went in the classroom and I grabbed a sheet of paper, pens, and I made like a, this ridiculous origin story of this person who slapped me, including his mother and how he came to be into this world. Very graphical. I'm not proud of it, but that's you know what happened. So somebody grabbed that drawing. It was like a comic strip. And they just went to the Xerox machine and they just made copies and copies and copies. And they started posting them on the message board. You know, every, every building in the school has like a message board. And this guy got super upset. He was taking more time to take them down than people making copies and putting them up again. And this guy came around and then he gave me a couple of kicks, but I understood that he was way more upset with what I've done with the pen than the slaps he gave me earlier. So the big kids wouldn't pick on me no more because they knew that they would be ridiculed. So it kind of became like a survival mechanism, pretty much. I started drawing nonstop. I'm not advocating for bullying, but that's using, where... Using your strength. Yes. Your, your pen became your weapon. It became a reoccurring thing for me. Because what happens is that people will start using me to make fun of others. If a friend of mine was being picked on or bullied, I would do what I do. But also, it happened that kids will come to me and say, hey, you want a pizza? You want pizza and a soda? And I'm like, sure. Okay, make sure to draw Caesar's mom. I became like a little hitman. Sometimes I would do funny things. Sometimes, sometimes I would do nasty things. Sometimes it wasn't even bad at all. People would say, hey, draw me. But during middle school, that was my like, modus operandi. That's how I, I would operate. I always say that's how supervillains are created, <laughs> or heroes. In my case, I, I was no hero, but I but went the other way. But eventually you started using your, your powers for, for good. I've been fortunate <laughs> to be in a position to even help others with what I do. So, yeah. Today in Port of Entry, 
we continue our season on artists and musicians who've turned pain into superpowers. More on Victor's cross-border story after the break. Nos vemos muy pronto. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Estamos de vuelta. So when I was a little kid, my family moved from Mexico to the U.S., And I remember walking into a classroom at this Jewish school in San Diego for the first time and feeling totally disconnected from my surroundings. Like I barely spoke any English and everything looked and sounded and felt super strange. I just felt like I did not belong there. Victor can totally relate to that feeling. He says he's felt that way most of his life. When it comes to social skills, I was never very good at it. The world kind of didn't make sense to me when it comes to people. So I rather sometimes spending time by myself because other kids just, for me, it, they were like aliens. So I was very lo lonely as a kid. I've always felt off somehow. Ever since I was a kid, I've been curious more curious than what was good for me, in a way. Kids are curious. You know, you want to you know why the world is how it is, and you want to you know why the sky is blue, and you want to know why the, the grass is green, and all of that. But I used to go deep. Like, I, I would go, like, I, I remember being five or six and asking people questions and people going like, who are your parents? Like, Where do you come from? Why do you ask these questions? Like, no kid your age should be asking these questions. Victor says he was obsessed with questions that were dark and delved into existential topics like the meaning of life and death. And his precocious questions often made people a little uncomfortable. So instead of asking his questions out loud, Victor started putting some of those thoughts and ideas on paper instead. And his art became his refuge from a world that didn't seem to understand him. I was completely disconnected from society in a way. I kind of went into my own head. It was a bit of a dark place for me. Drawing became like my oasis. More than fun, it became a place of rest for me. And I wouldn't show it to anybody. I was very protective of my word. I used to have a sketchbook that had a lock on it. Like that, to that level, I used to go to, to, to school and I would make sure that nobody would see my drawings, except those that, that I made for others to see. But I was very reclusive when it comes to what I did. It became um, a reflection of who I was, you know? Pretty much. I've never been able to, to write My, my feelings, my thoughts, I've never been good with that. So that became my way of connecting to the world, in a way. That feeling of being alone and disconnected from the world outside of his art, it eventually led Victor to 
obsessing over things like Star Wars and outer space. Plus, growing up in an in-between space like the border town of Tijuana, it made him feel even more confused about how he fit in. I love space. I love everything about space and astronomy and the universe and infinity and all of that. I remember watching the, uh, the Challenger video when I was a kid. I started drawing astronauts in space and in everything that has to do with being out of place. And I realized that that was like a, it has always been like a common theme. In the back of my head, is it has always been brewing this idea of finding your own place. And being from the border resonates even more because life at the border is a place of its own. You know, sometimes we get teas from other cities down south because we are very Americanized, but also we are not Americanized, but we are also not fully traditional Mexican in a way. So we kind of become our own thing. I'm a product of my time and my place. For instance, I never went to school to learn English. It just happened because I'm, I live in the border. As Victor got older, that's when the bullying began. It was a very dark time for me. The things that kids my age was, were interested in, I wasn't interested at all. So that kind of put me apart. By high school, the bullying finally stopped. But the drawing kept going, and Victor withdrew even more into himself and his art. My work started to change. You know, I, I went through the typical phases of a of a kid that, that is not well adjusted in the sense of I was never very social. I was always an introvert. So I kind of went inside my head and, and it became more of a expression of whatever was going on inside my head or my sanity. I had to work on some stuff and, and I would do it through the use of pen and papers. I created my own world inside my head. My heart was somewhere else and no matter what job I held, no matter what I did, no matter where I, where I was at, if I was happy, if I was sad, if I was depressed, whatever, I always wanted to draw. Like, it's something that if I'm happy, I need to draw it. If I'm sad, I need to draw it. If I'm depressed, I need to draw it. But it became a habit for me and, and, and I started to, uh, I've always enjoyed it, but it became a little bit more than that, if that makes sense. It became like a way of life for me. It was only for me. And I would rather burn my drawings sometimes than risking somebody seeing them. After high school, Victor went to college and studied graphic design. And he was always at the top of his class. I was good at it. You know, whenever uh, there was a project, I remember that if we required, to finish a project, we required, I don't know, 10 hours in average, I would put in 50 because I loved it so much. He graduated college, and immediately his 3D art professor offered him a good job doing special effects for movies. And he absolutely loved the work. So I was happy doing what I was supposed to do. I was happy like a clam. 
Finally, Victor felt like he had found his place in the real world. He had a role he could play perfectly. But his happiness didn't last long. Because even though everything was going well on the outside, on the inside, things had only gotten worse. It turns out that those weird thoughts and feelings he'd always struggled with as a kid, that was actually pretty severe, undiagnosed anxiety. All throughout school and up to this major point in his life and career, Victor had never told anyone about how he was feeling, how his brain would so often get stuck in this loop of worry, how he often felt this intense and overwhelming sense of impending doom. I've always had this kind of feeling, the weird feeling like something very wrong was always going to happen. Like a very deep worry, like something is going to... Even if things are going great, there's something like a, a shadow behind you telling you something bad is going to happen because things cannot be good like forever. The anxiety was just like through the roof and to the point where I wasn't even functioning correctly. I did have a couple of panic attacks, like my heart was going to just jump out of my chest. And I felt like I'm, I'm too young for this. Like I thought I thought I was going to die, you know, a couple of times. I started losing hair in places where you're not supposed to lose hair, like on the side of the head and things like that, that it was just bad. It felt incredibly overwhelming. I didn't have control of 100% of my body all the time. Victor had been running away from his lifelong untreated anxiety by disappearing into his own drawings. But now, as an adult with a new high-intensity job, he spiraled into this deep, dark vortex of worrying and overthinking. It got so bad that his anxiety took control of his body. During his worst moments of sheer panic, Victor's stress would make his blood vessels constrict. Then his heart would beat faster and faster and his blood pressure would shoot up. And suddenly, Victor's hands, the tools he'd relied on for his art and now his career, would start to tingle. Then they'd go completely numb. Every time there was a big project, I would get excited, and then I would get the numbness. It's called like paresthesia, when you get extreme numbness in your hands. And sometimes it would last an hour, sometimes it would last two months. I couldn't work for about seven or eight months. Physically, I couldn't do it. When I lost the feeling in my hands, at the beginning, nobody knew what was going on. So it kind of messed with my head. When that happened, I lost the one thing that I was clinging the most, certainty. Like, I was certain that I was going to have a good job. Victor thought maybe he could make things work and he could hang on to his new job. But that numbness in his hands kept coming back. And I just quit. I just stopped going to work and I stopped answering phone calls. My mind would go into panic mode and I, I felt, for some reason I felt shame. I don't know why. 
Up until this point, drawing was how Victor escaped his anxiety. It made him feel calm and safe. But now that his hands were going haywire, he was afraid he'd lose his ability to connect to that nice, peaceful inner world he'd created, left with no way to outrun his anxiety. After the break, Victor finds a new hiding place, inside a cubicle. Regresamos pronto. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Estamos de vuelta. So, all across Tijuana, there's these call centers. Big-time companies from the U.S., Mexico, and all across the world contract with these centers to field customer service calls. Because A, labor is cheaper in Mexico. And B, it's easy to find people at the border who speak both English and Spanish. My job was easy. After Victor's hands gave out on him, he landed in one of these Tijuana call centers, where his numb hands weren't a problem. It's not very difficult to work on a mouse. My work consisted of just listening to calls and make reports and sanction people and saying good job to people who did it well and all that. For 10 years, Victor worked at that call center in Tijuana, doing tech support for a big Mexican company. And he eventually moved his way up supervisor. It was incredibly easy. It was a very easy gig, right? Uh, just listen to some audios, make a report, transcribe what happened, and then make your assessment and see what can be done better and areas of opportunity, all of that. But even though the work was super easy for Victor, he says he still felt like his soul was being sucked out. I mean, picture buzzing fluorescent lights and cramped cubicle after cubicle after cubicle filled with people wearing headsets, fielding customer complaints all day, every day, day after day after day. My friends and family members have always been like, what are you doing in a cubicle? Dude, wake up. But Victor says that day job of his, my cubicle, felt dependable. I became sort of a safety net for me. I was used to the schedule. I was used to the routine. And any change to that routine felt kind of terrifying. So fear is what kept me there. So there's a Korean place about a block away from that call center where Victor worked. About once a week, he would go there for lunch. And while he waited for his food, he would start sketching on the big, crisp, white paper placemats on the tables. He found himself drawing scenes from the Tijuana he knows and loves, but remixed with the Star Wars characters he loves too. 
like picture Yoda as a taquero or a stormtrooper as a lucha libre wrestler. Before Victor knew it, he had dozens of drawings on those paper placemats. And since we have new tools these days to share private art, Victor got the guts to start sharing more of his drawings on Instagram, where people responded with hearts and major praise. He even started getting inquiries about how people could buy his work. But he turned most of those potential customers away. He wanted to keep art as a pastime, even though his friends and family kept pushing him to go for it. So, yeah, I mean, everybody wanted me to do something with what I do, but I was reluctant because it was personal. So, yeah, Victor was afraid to make the jump, in part because art has always been more like his personal therapy, not something he wanted to share. Plus, if he tried to be an artist and his hands gave out, what then? But last year, one of his best friends got sick, and Victor put aside his concerns and stepped up to help. She needed a surgery, and she was um, trying to raise funds for that medical procedure, and I was in a position to do something about it. For years, I've had a lot of people online that wanted to buy a piece of what I do, and I've always been reluctant to sell my work. So I uh, organized a raffle, and it went pretty well, and uh, I was able to help her. And then about a week later, another friend had a need with his mother needed a medical procedure, so we did an auction that time. And I have a friend who right now is going through breast cancer treatment, so we made a raffle for her as well. So I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to use what I used to do for evil, and now I'm able to help, even if it's just in a small way. So his weapon, the thing he once used to fight back against his bullies, was suddenly being used for good. And ultimately, it felt so good and so right that Victor finally got courage to start thinking about possibly letting go of his safety net. I got tons of messages. I got tons of messages, people saying, okay, I wanna, I wanna support your friend, I wanna get into the raffle, I wanna uh, help, but I also wanna buy something from you. I'm talking about not one or two or three or 10 people, I'm talking about 20 something people who, who actually said, once we get this done, I really wanna have one of your pieces. Well, this, there's an idea, like I could make a living out of it. But just as Victor started entertaining the idea of actually selling his art for a living, the pandemic hit and Victor got sick just a few months into it in spring of 2020. Something happened where I, can, I could no longer, my mind didn't work as well. The doctor said, Many people are getting like neurological side effects. Yeah, but it was bad. Like my dad and I got it that way, uh, that couldn't concentrate. If I would read a report by the time I was in the middle, I couldn't remember what was at the beginning. So I kind of lose track. So that happened and my ex boss, she's, she was great. She was like, don't worry, do what you can. I'll cover for you, whatever happens. We understand that you're going through a process. But it got to a point where I was getting everybody in trouble. 
you know, because I would mess up work like badly. And the team and the company was, you know, being affected by my mistakes, right? And very basic mistakes. So the same body that got in Victor's way when he thought he'd found his dream job for that movie effects studio, it was now making his office job impossible too. And what happened next with his father was the nail in his cubicle's coffin. When my, my dad got COVID, a lot of blood work and exams and, and things like that, tests, and something came up in those tests that we wouldn't have found out if it wasn't for COVID. And that really, for me, it was, it was like a turning point because I started to panic in a way. You know, it was, it was very hard. And for me, it was like a shock. You know, it was like something that pushed you over the edge. So I was already stressed. I was already in a bad place. And that kind of pushed me to uh, make a decision. We're going to have to deal with this. And my salary doesn't help much. I mean, fortunately, I have brothers and sisters, and we're all very close. But this is going to be difficult, right? And I already had the previous experiences of when I helped others, we did really well. So I said, well, I need to do something. So I called my boss and I said, and I said you know what? I'm really grateful for everything, but I can't do this job anymore. Like mentally, I couldn't. So Victor jumped out of his cubicle-shaped nest. And for the first time ever he began putting all his energy into making art. It's been nearly a year since Victor made that leap to being a full-time artist. And over the summer, he actually had his first ever solo art show in Tijuana. So my producer Kinsey and I went to check it out. It was a collection of those drawings he did at that Korean restaurant. And I gotta say, Victor's drawings are incredible. So detailed and funny and just perfectly, precisely drawn. Actually, all I can see is errors. Wow. No, no, I mean, it, it, I know it looks like if you, if you stare at it, you will probably see, you won't see an error. But the way I see it, every line on its own, it's imperfect. If you, if you look at it... Too close. Too close. Yeah. But all together, you can't even notice it. And But, I mean, all I see are lines that are not aligned or a little bit longer than they should have been. Victor's work is very border-centric, a really modern mashup of Mexican and American culture. So we have the Mandalorian characters posing in the, in the classical Tijuana picture where you have the donkey and you have the chariot and everybody are holding, like, guns. We have the, uh, the New Hope characters in a taco stand. Tacos Nueva Esperanza, which translates to tacos, a new hope. You got Luke, Luke cutting el trompo. Right. With cutting the trompo. I was about to use the lightsaber, but I made, a, um, I made a, another one we have another uh, taco uh, piece with Yoda, and he's the one cutting the trompo with the lightsaber, as you can That's see. Awesome. Victor's creative alter ego is Tijuanauta. It's a nickname he came up with actually back in college. 
because alongside his Star Wars characters, he's always drawn a lot of astronauts immersed in traditionally Mexican scenes. He says the concept is 100% a shout out to how he feels growing up at the border, a place that's neither fully the US or Mexico. Because we live in a world between two worlds, like we have, we are highly influenced. We have the greatest economy in the world next to us. Culturally, it's the most influential country in the world, so obviously we're gonna pick up on that. You know, Tijuana is a different world. Tijuana is its own wonderfully weird world, a beautiful living microcosm that makes Victor and me and so many multicultural people feel like we belong. It's interesting because this thing, Victor's art, it used to be something he escaped and withdrew into, something he used to hide away from the world. But now it's become this great connector for him. Whenever what I do has a certain connection with others, it's probably my favorite thing. Like when I get messages of people saying, I saw your work and this piece meant something for me to me, and they start telling you their life history and what they went through and how what you did connects with them, it's, it's insane. That alone is incredibly rewarding. I'm glad that I'm able to do something that, that has a certain resonance with people and that people want. And that's just great by itself. So it's been a crazy ride. I've been doing this for just a couple of months and I, I've said a couple of times that I haven't even had like a lift off and I already feel like in among the clouds. These days, Victor's biggest battle is still the invisible one happening inside his own head. But his newfound power of helping others with his drawings, it's really helped him recognize that he doesn't have to fight his battle alone. The reason why it took a long time for me to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel is because I had always been reluctant to seek help. You know, my work it's a way to digest reality and experience into something that I could control. You know, like a language. Like it's my own way of, of, of expressing life experiences. And in a very wrong way, I think that it was important for me to kind of try to handle it myself. Whether it's a cultural thing or like a male thing, you know, being proud or whatever. Obviously, I see that it was wrong of me not to reach out because when you reach out, there's a lot of people who are there to help. Recently, finally, Victor got that help. He started treating his anxiety through a mix of therapy and CBD. And I've been feeling great. I've been doing things that I was afraid of doing. And so far, it's, you know, it has been great. The universe kind of self-corrects and I was not living in my gift. And all of the things that happened ultimately was in a way to push me to the right course. You know how the eagles, their younglings, they will throw them off cliffs. Either you fly or you die. 
that's what I feel that happened. Like at some point, it was my time, like to either make it or break it. It's amazing. You're flying. I jumped and well, here I am. Port of Entry is written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Emily and Elisa Barba edited this episode. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the interim associate general manager of content. I'm your host, Alan Ilienthal. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Thank you for listening. And hey, if you like this episode, do me a favor and share it with three of your friends. Thank you in advance.